Welcome everyone to a Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Find them online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, or you can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. It is a UFC preview day. We haven't done one of these for a little bit. I'm excited to do it. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. So we got some, it, it is back to being a fighting Friday here on Couch Potato Diary. Close to get into football and fighting Friday. Uh, CFL going on right now. We're going to really pick up our coverage of that as we get into the back half of the season. So going to be a lot of fun uh, down the road. Thank you guys. It's going to be fun today. So uh, thank you for tuning in. We start today with our UFC 277 preview as uh, Amanda Nunes looks to get her championship back as she takes on Juliana Pena in the main event this weekend. Um, this is such an interesting matchup. I, I am so fascinated by how this one could play out. My uh, initial reaction going into the, the prep process for this is that this is Sarah GSP, right? Like you have the person who's coming off of, uh, I mean, a while ago, but coming off of an ultimate fighter win who the right time, right place, right night, right. Everything comes up with a victory. And then the dominant champion remembers why they're the dominant champion comes back in and picks up the win. Nunez is the best fighter in women's MMA history. She is the GOAT. She is all of that. I think she was expecting Pena to kind of wilt. And when Nunez, uh, or sorry, when Pena started coming forward, Nunez uncharacteristically started to load up on bombs, wore down, and then she gets caught in the submission, and then she taps. All of those things, you can easily... A, explain away, and B, you can prepare for. Okay, you have seen that this person isn't going to go away, so let's kind of keep our brains to ourselves, uh, our, brain, our brains about ourselves, shall we? It's kind of like the, the first um, Diaz-McGregor fight where um, Diaz wasn't going away, and Connor at some point just kept loading up and loading up and loading up, and that's never been his thing. Like, he has power, but it, the, the reason it's so effective is that power comes so naturally to him, comes so easily to him, that he can just, like, he doesn't have to load up and it wore him down, and he ended up getting caught. I, I think Nunez kind of did the same thing. And so, again, I think that is an easy thing to fix. And also... Um, the, the, the same trappings of being a champion that she had to deal with for so long have now been bestowed upon Pena. All the media, all the interviews, all the appearances while people are training and are hungry for what you have. It, it, it is a little bit different. Again, it's the, what is it, uh, Thomas Hearn? It's, it's tough to, to go out and run on the roads when you're waking up in satin sheets. The, the other people are hungry and you are the hunted and you have all these other responsibilities. Their main focus is just training. Now the role is reversed. Nunez doesn't have to do all of those things. Pena does. A couple of issues with both of these things that I am saying, though. A, Pena wants this. I don't feel like Nunez ever did. I think she wanted the respect that comes with all of this, but I don't know if going on ESPN and going to all these award shows and going to all of this, I don't know if that's always really been her jam. It is not a burden to Pena. It is the attention that she has craved since her time on The Ultimate Fighter. This is this is what she wanted. She loves going to, to Barstool and to ESPN and on Ryan Clark's show. She loves going and doing all of those things. While Nunez loves training. Um, and so I, I do think that this isn't that same, oh my God, this is such a grind. This is a, hey, this is fucking sweet from Pena's perspective. And so I think 
that the regular issues that would come with that don't necessarily come for Pena because she, she enjoys this type of a thing. The other thing that is concerning me greatly is I am hearing way too many excuses out of Nunez's camp. Too many interviews. The weight cut was tough. She had a knee injury. There was, I mean, look, clearly these things can be limitations. Clearly they can get in the way. Um, we talked going into that about how it was a weight cut she hadn't really had to make in a while, and a lot of people were kind of overlooking that. And I know I saying that I predicted Pena to shock the world, but that was kind of the, you know, if something weird's going to happen with this fight, this could be the reason why. And it very well could have been the reason why. All of those things could have contributed to it. I just don't like that she's the one saying it. I, I much prefer my champions in defeat to be a little more humble than that. Um, not just from a, like, it makes me feel better standpoint. I don't care, particularly. But just from a um, analyzing these fights sort of a way, when, when you see that, it gets a little bit concerning that you're not addressing the problems of the fight. Again, those could have gotten the way. However, to suggest that there aren't techni uh, technical issues that need to get fixed and strategic changes that need to be made is kind of whistling by the graveyard. There were, like, Nunez starts early, and, or gets off to a great start early, and is in complete control and fades as that fight goes along. We just went over one of the reasons why that could be. However, to just completely ignore that from the Nunez camp would be a glaring, glaring problem, I think, on on their behalf. And so they need to figure out not the excuses. They need to figure out some of the reasons why Pena is holding the championship that Nunez feels like she should. If they want to make this GSP Sarah, they're going to have to do that. Otherwise, it's kind of starting to feel to me a little bit more Ioana Rose, where Ioana was saying these same things, right? Like, and again, it's uh, some of the similarities. Rose off of the Ultimate Fighter. Didn't win the Ultimate Fighter. But uh, Rose coming off of the Ultimate Fighter. She'd been hanging around for a little bit and now appears to be reaching her apex against a champion who's been there for a while. And instead of a, oh yeah, these are the things that, that got me caught. It was, oh, it's the weight cut. Oh, it was the this. Oh, it was the that. And not focusing on why this extremely talented fighter just kicked the shit out of you. And if... It, it just, it worries me greatly. I know this isn't a technical breakdown. It just worries me greatly that Nunez isn't focusing on what Pena did right instead of what went wrong in her life. Co-main event is Brandon Moreno against Kaikara France for uh, interim championship. I, I think it's so stupid that this is, a, it's a number one contenders fight. Now, because it is a championship fight, um, there, there's different pay structures, I suppose, and going into their next fights, whoever wins this will be a champion, and so they get a little bit more money with bonuses and stuff like that, so that that is the way that I can wrap my head around it, but this is such an obvious, let's see if we can put the belt on the Mexican dude so we can keep, keep building in that market move, you know, like this is, it's a number one contenders fight, and now you can put interim title on it and it makes it look better on a poster, so uh, there's probably a little bit of that going on here as well, but it, it just, it, it reeks to me of this guy was supposed to be one of our big hopes in Mexico, and he's turned into globally one of our bigger stars. Let's see if we can keep a belt on him. Um, doesn't matter that it's not the real one. Let's just, let, let's see if people just ignore the fact that it's the one we got from Walmart and, and move on. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, it's just 
sketchy promotional tactic stuff for me. Um, as far as this fight goes, I've never been as high on Kaikara France as others have been. Now, to be fair, I've never been as high on Moreno as some others have been. I, I thought that the losses to Figueredo were more what Figueredo did wrong than what Moreno did right. And I, I, I feel like whatever potential people think Kaikara France has, I, I don't really feel like he's ever fully unleashed that. He's very good, don't get me wrong. And honestly, he's probably even deserving of this opportunity. I'm not suggesting that. Just a quick side, I don't think that, like a lot of people say, oh, no one's ready for a, a title fight against, say, Valentina Shevchenko. It's like, well, well, no. But if we keep waiting until we have someone who can beat, we feel like we can beat her, it's going to be like eight years between title defenses. At some point, it has to be the next person up gets the opportunity. So me suggesting that I don't think Kaikara France can win this fight is not to suggest that I don't think he is unworthy, or that I think he is unworthy of this opportunity. It's just, I don't think he's going to win once he gets it here. I just feel like, again, this isn't the most technical of breakdowns. I just feel like Moreno is a little bit better. From a betting perspective, Moreno, uh, a relatively decent favorite at the time of this recording. Uh, he's minus 220. Um, so th it's probably a stay away from a, a gambling perspective. I, I think they're relatively close. Like if you want, I, I don't think Moreno should be that big of a, a favorite. And so if you want to play the value game and, and sprinkle a little bit of cheddar on, uh, on Kaikara France, then by all means do that. That's fine. Um, I, I just, I don't know. The rest of this card is kind of blah. Like they've they, they've started to tour again with um, the fight night cards, not just pay per views. Because for the longest time, for those who have been unaware, um, pay per views have been out and about, while the fight night cards have been in the the UFC Apex, their version of a performance center. Um, and so you don't necessarily have to load those up when you're only selling like eight tickets to a thing. But now you're going to buildings again, and so you kind of have to load some of those up with some fights that may end up being on a on a pay-per-view. There isn't a whole lot else here. Like, Blood Diamond's an interesting story and an interesting fighter, um, and certainly has the ability to put on some kind of a, a highlight performance, but I he doesn't draw me in. You have a couple of fighters who it feels like they're getting kind of get-right fights like this. This almost feels to me like a bit of a, all right, let's put a couple of fights on, we'll cut some of the losers, and we'll move on because we're getting a new crop of people coming in from Dana White's Contender Series, which is a little bit blah on the weekend, or, or, or during the week, sorry. So the, the rest of this card, it, it's not super intriguing. I'm going to be away this weekend, um, so I'm, I'm not going to be putting down much money on this one. Um, I'm, I'm going to find a way to watch a couple of the fights on this and then be perfectly fine not having the opportunity to watch it until it pops up on Fight Pass in a couple of months. That's basically where this fight card is is at for me. And it's, it's kind of the culmination of what's been an interesting stretch here for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Like, you have, you've had a couple of main events in a row end in injuries, 15 seconds in, Aspinall um, has a, a weird thing against Curtis Blades, which is really disappointing, because that was such an intriguing heavyweight bout, um, Yair Rodriguez against Brian Ortega, there's an injury in that one, that one a little bit more caused by the, the weathers of a fight, and for Yair Rodriguez now, he's probably going to get a title shot ahead of Josh Emmett, which is a little bit unfortunate, um, if those two guys were to fight, that would be an incredible number one contender's belt, but and here's the weird thing. Like, I never thought of Rodriguez against Ortega as the number one contenders, but I kind of thought it was, we're super high on both of these guys. 
we need to make sure one of them wins, so let's put them together and hope for the best. Now you can kind of tell an Ortega um, redemption story coming off of an injury and build him back up that way. So I never thought of Yair as... Or that that fight is a, a number one contender's bout. But if you want to try to take advantage of Yair and hope he doesn't lose again, then yeah, it makes sense to to throw him in there. But man, I Ortega, I don't want to say it's wasted potential because he's had a couple of title fights and he's had some bangers of fights. Like he he has he has made money. He has got close to the mountaintop before, but he just hasn't quite reached that level that a lot of people thought he was going to. Probably same with Yair a little bit as well. I think a lot with Yair, it was too much too soon, and that kind of killed a lot of the hype they had on him, and now they're trying to, to build it back up again. Um, and then the the talk of that, going back to the last pay-per-view, with Volkanovski with a dominant performance over Max Holloway. I, I know I, I promised at one point I'll do a resume review on all of them to see who I think is actually the, the GOAT of that division with Holloway, Aldo, and, and Volkanovski. That's still to come, uh, but wanted to, to give this pay-per-view card the, the proper focus it deserved. Moving into the world of professional wrestling, obviously, it's been a week with uh, Vince McMahon announcing his retirement, Triple H taking over creative on Monday Night Raw. Raw was fine. Like, I, I thought that there was a lot of very interesting stuff there early on. I, I think the, the more intriguing Raw to me, because this was a go-home show for, for SummerSlam, you're not going to change the complete creative direction of everything uh, right away. Um, I'll be interested to see now what kind of comes of this, because the stretch where Triple H was in charge of NXT is some of the best wrestling we have had in the last 20 years, and I, I am so interested now to see. I'm also interested to see how this changes things at NXT, because NXT 2.0, the point of it was to get it more in line with the values of the main roster, and those aren't the values of Triple H. So I'll be interested. Do we see War Games come back to the main roster? Do we see Great American Bash come to the main roster? What does he think of the brand split? This is going to be a very interesting next little while. And I said before that um, I was taking a break from WWE. I'm back in. I'm, I I, I didn't like the trying to get Thank You Vince stuff going like that. Again, just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but I, I, I'm very intrigued now to see what direction this company goes, um, both creatively and just the whole company in general. I, I think it's I think it's going to be very interesting next few weeks in the land of WWE. That's going to do it for this Friday show. Bit of a quick one today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions, your one-stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. I will talk to you all next week. Have a good long weekend. I'm out.